We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. Chris Biederman is back from vacation, and we're looking today at 49ers free agents, free agents that... Uh, could be leaving the team or could be re-signing with the club. We're going to look at what happens if each of those players leaves, and we're going to look at some possible replacements with free agency set to start in about a month. We're going to talk about some draft picks in here. We're not going to go super deep on those guys because we neither Chris nor I have done deep dives on any draft picks yet, but at looking at various draft analysts, uh, big boards and mock drafts and such, we picked out some names that that stood out and we'll talk a little bit about those guys but the bigger the bigger deal is is what the 49ers do if some of their key free agents end up leaving enjoy hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles new england standing qb jimmy garoppolo to 49ers we believe we found the right guy garoppolo quick pass caught by kittle he died and he's in all right, well, welcome back to reality, Chris. You yeah, are, thanks. You are back home. You went and visited your pops in Hawaii, Hawaii, as I say, <laughs> with the aloha spirit flowing through me. Um, how, how was it? I, I hesitated to ask because I'm not sure I want to know. Yeah. But how, how you can tell me, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd be lying if I said I woke up super thrilled with the fact that I was back in in sort of cloudy, cold, chilly San Jose <laughs> this morning. Um, but I was, you know, I, I was able to hang out with my dog again, which I didn't obviously didn't do in Hawaii. But yeah, played a lot of golf. Um, didn't do a ton of uh, soaking up sun on the beach because I'm very fair skinned and enjoy the shade and and 
don't want to have sunburn um, mm. or any of the uh, lingering effects that happen later in life with too much time in the sun. Mm. But yeah, a lot of golf, a lot of cool courses, um, some much needed time with, with the pops. And uh, and yeah, if anybody's trying to go to Hawaii, um, the Big Island, hi- would highly recommend the Javi Plantation House. Great place to stay. And uh, that may or may not be a paid promotional plug because it's my dad's place. But um, yeah, check it out. It's a fun place. Definitely check it out. Times. I look forward to going someday. Yeah, absolutely. It's we, absolutely we a life happen. goal to go visit uh, visit your dad and stay at that magnificent home <laughs> that that he has there. I think ah. it's on Verbo and Airbnb. Verbo so and Airbnb. So maybe I'll yeah. book it without you. I'm just going to go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and not fine. tell you I'm going. Yeah. I don't have any promo codes or anything. You can just name drop Candlestick Chronicles or... Yeah. Or Kyle Madsen to get the special rate. <laughs> not not you, not Chris Biederman. Don't drop that. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to ask real quick. We'll get into the football in a moment. If you want to fast forward sixty seconds, feel free. But have you ever considered bringing Roscoe to Hawaii with you? So yes, but he he doesn't do well in the car. Mm. Um, being a Frenchie, he's got the smush face and and the not so uh, open breathing tubes. Sure, I guess. yeah breathing pathways so dog anatomy um, i would need to i would need to give him a bunch of like baby benadryl or something to calm him down otherwise he'd be panning like crazy and i think everybody on the plane would hate me um and i'm not trying to put him in a box right in the in the um checked baggage area because i don't know what would happen you've heard some i mean there are some horror stories of people yeah no i'm not putting yeah i'm not putting my dog down there are you kidding me yeah so um crazy Maybe maybe if I took a boat, but that's a long boat ride. It's <laughs> a very long boat ride. We're we're not to that point yet. If I had to if I had to spend any prolonged time in in Hawaii, maybe maybe I'd send Roscoe to your house. You and Heather that, could, uh, oh could watch gosh. after him for a while. We would be thrilled <laughs> to watch Roscoe for a while. The cats wouldn't be super hyped, but they'd get over it. All right, let's talk 49ers free agents. I'm going to start it. We have a list here, and we go back and forth on whether we go bottom to the top of the list or top to the bottom. But because of the nature of this discussion, I'm going to start at the top because I think this first free agent really sets the tone for what the fire, what the 49ers are going to wind up doing in free agency. And that's Trent Williams, the biggest name in the left tackle market, the biggest name for the 49ers. San Francisco right now, according to Over the Cap, over the cap has the cap set at 180 and a half million. That number gives the 49ers right now on on February 16th, the day we're recording this, 13 million dollars, just over 13 million. There's ways they can manipulate the cap and make that a greater number, which I'm all but certain they will. But Trent Williams is the biggest name, so let's start with him. I thought, Chris, when they traded for Trent Williams, it was a no-brainer. They were going to re-sign him. They agreed to to bring him in and, and have the clause in his contract where he could not be franchise tagged, so they knew they weren't going to be able to franchise tag him. They gave up a fifth-round pick in last year's draft, a third-round pick in this year's draft, and then he came out and he played very, very well. So I was always under the impression that they knew they were going to have to break break the bank for Williams in order to get him back. What happens if he leaves though? Because that's not something that I had really given a ton of thought to. Yeah. So I think the, the most likely scenario is him coming back to the Niners on a lucrative deal, but listening to Trent Williams talk towards the end of the season, um, you know, he said things like, I'm, I'm curious to see what my market would hold because he hasn't, you know, as long as he's been in the league, 
he hasn't had a chance at unrestricted free agency. So this is the first time. And, you know, he says the 49ers are his preferred destination. But, you know, there could be a team that just blows his socks off with an offer that he can't really refuse that the 49ers wouldn't be willing to match. So, you know, I'm expecting for him to come back to the 49ers on something, uh, on a contract that pays him something in the neighborhood of, what, 18 to 20 million a year. Um, mm-hmm. which is a huge number, but given that Jeremy uh, Laramie Tunzel got you know twenty two million a year from Houston, and albeit in a in a different situation where he had all the leverage in the world because Houston gave up so much in the trade with the Dolphins to get him, um, there could be a team that says, hey hey Trent, here's uh, you know here's twenty four million dollars a year with the first three years fully guaranteed. And the 49ers might have a tough time matching that, and 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 maybe he goes, and then maybe they get a comp a compensatory pick for him. Um, but I think if he leaves, and and like I said, I think it's less likely he leaves than it is him just coming back. But if he does leave, I think the 49ers would have to use the the 12th pick in the draft um, on a tackle. And and that would be an obvious downgrade because you'd be going from arguably the best left tackle in the league to, you know, an unproven rookie. But what it would do is open up a lot more financial flexibility. So you could potentially invest um, in a high-profile free agent at another position. Maybe you go get somebody like Yannick Ngakwe or, or Carl Lawson. I think Shaq Barrett... The Buccaneers pass rusher, the defensive end, is probably going to be priced out of that range, potentially. But, you know, maybe there's a cornerback, um, you know, just throwing names out. Maybe they go trade for Marshawn Lattimore. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are rumors of Stephon Gilmore potentially being available. And his cap number would be, would I think, would be in the $7 million range, if, if I'm not mistaken. But, he, you know, he's getting up there in age, too. The point is that Trent Williams is clearly the 49ers' most important free agent, but if they don't bring him back, it opens up other avenues that they could use to potentially improve the roster. And so given that they have needs at, su- at, at super expensive positions, um, if Trent Williams leaves, they could address those needs with some with some quality free agents. So while it certainly wouldn't be an ideal scenario, if the 49ers were able to hit on um, a left tackle who could start and play at a reasonably high level right away with that 12th pick, then they could go at a pass rusher and or um, have more money to sign maybe a veteran cornerback. Um, so so these are all sort of, uh, I, I'd say the, the Trent Williams thing is the biggest domino for sure facing the 49ers this offseason because everything else they do is going to dictate what path they go down in terms of how they address other spots. Right, so, because... Because right now, when you look at their list of needs, if you pencil in Trent Williams at left tackle, that list of needs looks very different than if you can't pencil right. in Trent Williams at left tackle. Yeah, it changes it changes what you do in the draft, and it changes what you do in free agency, and it changes everything about the salary cap situation you find yourself in. So, yep. yeah, it's pretty clear, just given the quality of player Trent Williams is and the ramifications of whatever decision he he makes... Um, he's clearly the most important free agent the 49ers are, are going to have this spring. I'd be interested to see if maybe they, they I'm assuming they're looking in the draft and they are paying attention to the tackle prospects in the event that Williams does leave. They don't want to, you know, get caught oh, no doubt. No with, doubt. Their, with their hands tied if he exits. What if they are not enamored with any tackles in this class and they wind up, 
I, I wrote about this a little bit at, at Niners Wire. What if they wind up signing a player like Alejandro Villanueva from the Steelers who, you know, maybe isn't as good as Williams, but he's a capable starting tackle. I know the Ravens could could possibly trade Orlando Brown Jr. That's that's another route depending on the depending on the cost and how the 49ers feel about him as a player. There's a lot of options. Yeah, there, I just think they want to avoid having yeah. to explore those options. Yeah, like, do you feel really great about Alejandro Villanueva given where he's at in his career? Russell no. Okung is another guy I would throw in sort of the same bucket. Like, you know, a veteran who who wouldn't be the worst pickup in the world, but, like, I don't know if left tackle would be a strength. They're not making the offensive line better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there really isn't a way to upgrade from, from Trent yeah. Williams. There's, um, there's, so, there's yeah, so I, it, it's just sort of about how you want to allocate resources in terms right. of the salary cap and the draft and all of that. But, I yeah, saw, I mean, you know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah mentioned Rashawn Slater. Um, Samuel, Co- uh, there's Samuel Kosme from Texas, Christian Derisoff from Virginia Tech, Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State. Um, it seems like there's a handful of guys – I don't think Penny Sewell from Oregon is going to last till twelve. No, but it sounds like there's there's a pretty uh, a pretty good incoming class of tackles, and maybe the Forty ers could potentially wait to round two to find a starter, mm-hmm. given the way some of the draft analysts are talking about the depth of the of the tackle class. But if Williams leaves, I would be very surprised if they didn't use um, if they didn't use that twelfth pick on a tackle. Uh, or didn't address it in the first round, whether it was trading up or trading back. So yeah, William, the the Williams decision ultimately is gonna is gonna have massive ramifications on on the rest of the offseason. So that leads me. I'm gonna move. I moved some things around in the rundown here. So I hope you can follow along. Yeah. I want to talk about Kerry Hyder now. Okay. That's not to say he is their second biggest free agent because I don't think he is. But when you consider the defensive end spot, in light of Trent Williams that that domino because if Trent Williams signs it's going to be a deal that chews up a lot of the Niners available cap space very likely this year and what what they could do is I mean depending on the length of the deal and Mm -hmm. um how it's structured I mean we can't judge the deal until we see it structured you need the full structure (laughs) but um, the guaranteed money is what matters right (laughs) but they they could they could backload it, and that's one thing that Trent Williams mentioned as a possibility. Like with the cap space stuff, it didn't sound like yeah. he was super worried about it because he could get a ton of money up front, and the 49ers would have you know a minimal cap hit in the very beginning, similar to George right. Kittle's deal. Um, his and I think Eric Armstead's backloaded as well. Yeah, yeah, they've been backloading contracts recently because of the cap crunch that they're going to be under. Um, so if the new TV contract comes in at some point over the next year. Maybe the cap uh, goes back up to, you know, the 220 range. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the giving Trent Williams a $24 million cap hit in 2022 is far more palatable. And, and maybe it's like a $4 million cap hit this year that spikes dramatically once that new revenue comes back. So let's assume that Trent Williams walks for a minute. And let's talk about Kerry Hyder in the defensive end position. Because I don't think if Trent Williams goes, I don't think Kerry Hyder is going to be the top of the defensive end market for them. Because you mentioned that if Trent Williams leaves, 
they're probably looking at a left tackle with the number 12 pick or possibly trading up for one. But very likely going left tackle with that first pick. So what do they do about defensive end? The position I personally think right now they wind up taking with their first round pick. But in the event that they're not signing Williams and needing to pay him, that frees up a little bit of space to maybe go get a free agent edge rusher yeah. like a Shaq Barrett or Yannick Ngakwe are the two kind of big names that that come to mind. Do you think that's the kind of move they would go make if they lose out on Williams, or would they try and put those resources elsewhere into the offensive line to try and kind of bolster that unit? Yeah, you know, it's tough to say because we don't know what the trade market's going to look like. Right, because you know we knew the 49ers going into the 2019 season had serious needs at edge rusher, mm-hmm. but D Ford wasn't on anybody's radar, right? And he was a pending free agent with the Chiefs who tagged and traded him. Um, and this is sort of an aside, but also important. Um, if D Ford can't pass a physical, I don't think the 49ers can just flat out cut him um, in April. So I, I you know, it. it it sort of depends on what the injury guarantees are to in his contract. I know some of that money is guaranteed for injury. So if he can't pass a physical and his back issues prevent him from, from being healthy in the spring, the 49ers might be stuck with him and paying some of that money. So that's going to, that's going to factor into the, the situation too. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned Carl Lawson. I think he would be an, a nice addition opposite Nick Bosa in Gawkway. Um, well-traveled recently. I think he was on, what, four teams in the last year or so, in the last 12 calendar months. Um, Shaq Barrett, probably going to be atop the market when it comes to those deals for, for defensive ends this offseason, and maybe he just ends up going back to to Tampa. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if if the 49ers don't re-sign Trent Williams, like you said, I think it's it's more than likely they end up trying to address the pass rush um, more creatively than just drafting somebody in the first round or first or second round because you know they view they view themselves as contenders mm-hmm. and they they want you know they they're trying to thread the needle of being a contender while also building for the future. I think using you know nine ten million dollars a year you know over the next two or three for somebody like Carl Lawson makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ngakwe and Barrett are going to be more expensive than that, but that's sort of how you thread the needle of, all right, we get a guy that we that we like right now who's probably better than Kerry Hyder, frankly. Um, right. And and I think Hyder, I mean, Hyder could come back. It's certainly more likely that Hyder comes back if Trent Williams leaves, um, but I don't know if you can count on Kerry Hyder to put the season together that he just had um, next year. And, and you know, I, it's it's a tricky situation because it's a it's a career backup, a guy who's dealt with injuries for a while, comes out, gets gets playing time under his former defensive line coach and Chris Kasurik, plays really well, and then, you know, like can you replicate that? Are those snaps going to be there for him next year, um, or you know, do you, would you rather bring in some some fresh, uh, some younger, fresher talent there? Um, you know, it's tough to say, but if you know, I, I think. The 49ers are far more likely to make a premium investment in a free agent or maybe someone they can trade for if Trent Williams leaves, whereas if Trent Williams stays, I'm with you and and, and think that the 12th pick um, would, would most likely be used on a pass rusher. I'm super interested, just to get to Kerry Hyder specifically, I'm really interested to see what his market looks like because last year like, he was – 
he was fine, but it wasn't like he was this monster game wrecking edge rusher. Yeah. He's and I don't nice think player. Yeah, I don't think the Niners want to go into the year with him as a starter, but if you plug him into kind of a rotational role, I think he's an excellent addition. Yeah, and that's what the plan was last year. And then, right. you know, Nick Bosa and D Ford both went down, so he had to be the featured guy. But um PFF yeah, like, Pro, Pro Football Focus has him his projected contract at two years, nine million with five guaranteed. And if wow, that's, that's the kind of deal, that seems low for me. That if that's the kind of deal he's getting, I don't think Trent Williams has anything yeah. to do with whether they bring him back. If that's going to be his contract, I bet the 49ers get him. Yeah, I mean, if that's all, yeah, if that's all he goes for, the 49ers yeah. would certainly be in the running because that seems pretty palatable for a guy that is coming off a, a season which he led the team in sacks. Yeah, but. I'm more inclined to think he would get six, seven million dollars a year. I think so too. Um, I would have an issue if I were him. I would have an issue with my agent if all I could get after having eight and a half sacks <laughs> and playing like I did was nine million over two years. Yeah, it'd be a tough um, look for yeah, Mr. Carey, Mr. Hyder's agent. But if he, you know, um, if he goes at twelve, you're looking at guys like Quiddy Pay from Michigan, Gregory uh, Russo from Miami. Yeah, Jason Owe maybe later in the first round of Penn State if you move back. Um, it's it sounds like there are going to be a lot of guys um, that you know could potentially fit the bill, but I think there's um, you know some people say there's a really talented and deep edge class, and some people say that there's a lot of bodies but not a lot of top end talent. Um, so like you know like you mentioned early early on in the pod. We haven't spent too much time in the lab breaking these guys down, so that that'll be one of the uh, that'll be part of the project going forward is uh, is trying to evaluate these edge guys and see who would fit best. But I think it's probably going to be a speed guy, similar to D Ford, if they do end up replacing Ford. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into because it doesn't look like, and again, <laughs> all very preliminary draft analysis here, but it doesn't look like maybe there's that top number one guy like a Nick Bosa in this year's class, yeah. but when you start looking at the top 30 or 40 in various big boards, there's like five or six edge rushers yeah. that, that are all sprinkled in there. So I'm, I'm interested to dive in there and see which ones uh, might wind up fitting in San Francisco. Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball and go to the secondary where the 49ers have all the free agents. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jaquaski Tart's a free agent. We're not going to talk about him. But three three of the key ones are – well. We'll start with Jason Verrett and Richard Sherman. Yeah. Sherman is all but gone. He told us as much uh, during the season. Sure, uh, yeah. So I actually, I, I have some Richard Sherman stuff coming out in the Sacramento Bee this week because I was able to get him on the phone. Oh, you got a hashtag exclusive. Yeah, yeah. Exclusive, nice, all caps story coming. I'm um, excited to aggregate the <laughs> shit out of that. Yeah, but so Sherman basically, I mean, it's, it's, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had a conversation with Richard Sherman. Both sides sort of told each other their plans, and it sounds like a, a, a split is coming. Like, it's it's not just Richard Sherman saying, you know, it would take a miracle for me to come back. It was Richard Sherman saying, yeah, we've kind of talked, and, and we've both kind of agreed to, to go our separate ways. So this, that, yeah, story, should, yeah, that story should be up, um, and, and some other stuff with Sherman reflecting on on his time with the 49ers. You can read that in the Sacramento Bee coming out Wednesday morning, I believe. Sacb.com slash 49ers. Yeah, you can find it there or on Twitter. Um, 
And so, yeah, like Sherman's Sherman's gone. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to say like it's a thousand percent he's gone. Maybe something weird happens and he comes back. If we're but setting I, if we're setting betting lines. Yes. Richard Sherman leaving. Yes is like minus a thousand. Yeah. And I think no is in the like plus 850 range. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Like, it's probably 95% chance that he leaves. Or I guess maybe maybe higher than that. Um, but anyway, so you have you have Sherman, you have Jason Verrett, you have yes. Emmanuel Mosley, who's restricted. You have Akella Witherspoon, who's probably gone. Um, and, like, that's basically the entire cornerback group. Like, the top four corners, and Kwan Williams. You're a really good slot cornerback. So, do you want to just plug him in here too and talk about all the corners at once? Yeah, yeah, we okay. can. I initially had okay. Verrett as number two and didn't really have Sherman on the list because I, I, you know, already thought he was he was gone. But like, I guess combining Sherman and Verrett is is a pertinent way to do this. Um, but yeah, well, they just like, have to fix their second. Like, not necessarily fix. They need bodies in the secondary. They need to completely remake. Which way secondary. you slice it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's similar to the pass rusher discussion because um, I, I think the 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 most likely scenario is Verrett comes back on an incentive laden deal, um, sort of similar to the one Sherman signed in in 2018. I think I think that's probably the most likely outcome for Verrett. But then you know if if Trent Williams leaves, well then you could probably afford um, a big contract at cornerback, right? Or if Trent Williams stays, then cornerback is very much in the discussion for the number 12 pick along with pass rusher. So, mm-hmm. you know, you look at 12, I think Patrick Sertan from Alabama would make a ton of sense. I know people think Caleb Ferry Farley is uh, is going to be really good. I, I, he opted out this year. J.C. Horns from South Carolina. The 49ers are obviously very familiar with South Carolina, the just the program, and there are a lot of relationships there, although maybe not as much anymore with, with Muschamp out. But, um, you know, is Marshawn Lattimore going to be on the trading block because the Saints need to get out from cap hell that they're in? Um, Stephon Gilmore, somebody already mentioned. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how much Gilmore has left, but it's it's a possibility. And then, you know, like, a, like A.J. Boyer, would that be a super costly free agent addition? Probably not. Um, Patrick Peterson would probably be pretty expensive. I don't know what the cost benefit of, of getting him at this point in his career would be. I don't think he's, he's like an all pro, um, you know, at this, at this point in his career, but yeah. And then, you know, with K1, like is Emmanuel Mosley going to be your slot option? Or are you going to look to find a slot early in the draft? Probably not round one, but maybe day two. Yeah. Um, so they, they have a lot going on in terms of the secondary on top of the fact they have a new defensive coordinator and a new secondaries coach. Um, so that's, that's, I, that's probably going to be the toughest needle for them to thread this entire off season is how do we keep our secondary together from a production standpoint? Like it played pretty well last year, despite all the injuries and, and all of that. Um, how do we, how do we piece together a good secondary with limited resources and again, it it starts and ends with what happens with Trent Williams first, and mm-hmm. then from there you decide. All right, do we have enough money to allocate to a free agent or a high-profile veteran we could potentially trade for, or are we just going to dump a bunch of draft picks into the secondary? Which would make sense because 
you know, that's sort of what Tampa Bay did. And, um, you know, they drafted a bunch of guys over the last few years and, um, and, and it worked out, but it also worked out because they had a, had a, had a good pass rush. So, um, yeah, the secondary is going to be a really interesting, um, a really interesting starting point for, for the 49ers front office this off season. And I, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Honestly, I have no idea how it's going to shake out with the the only things the only things I, I feel like I can say confidently are that I think Verrett's going to be back on a reasonable deal um, because I think he likes it there. I think it's a good fit, and I don't think it's going to break the bank. And Emmanuel Mosley, who's a restricted free agent, I think is going to come back and and certainly be in the mix to play nickel because that's where he started his career before moving outside. Um, I just don't know if the 49ers are going to want to invest in another guy to play nickel potentially right so that's these are all questions that i'm i'm sure are keeping john lynch very busy at the moment the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. I'm fascinated to see how much they value the cornerback position given the circumstances that they're in. And we obviously have to see how free agency shakes out. Because if they re-sign Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett and Akella Witherspoon and another veteran, all of a sudden may, they probably wait till day two or maybe even day three to start looking at corner in the draft. But if they go into the draft and it's Jason Verrett and Ken Webster and Tim Harris and the guys that are on the roster right now, now it feels like they have to go that spot in round one or multiple times on day two. Yeah. So that's, and, that's one of the outside of Trent Williams. That's going to be one of the biggest, I think when you look at the draft and their needs, that's going to be the biggest tell for, for I think what they think of this draft class in, in terms of, in terms of the cornerback position. Yeah. I'm probably going to say this on every pod we record from now until the draft, but I, but I think we'll the make best, a bit out of it. 
<laughs> I think the best avenue for them is to trade back from 12. And just to, to get as many picks during the first two days as possible. Um, because these are no, like these are all very premium positions. Whether you bring back Trent Williams or not, obviously left tackle is a premium position. But like cornerback, super premium position. Defensive end, super premium position. Yeah. Like... You know, the the more swings you can have, the more likely you are to hit some hit on a a good player. And so, you know, as much as people tend to fall in love with early draft prospects, like guys slated to go in the first half of round one, mm-hmm. like if they move back into the late twenties, and it gets them, you know, a a boatload of you know future uh, like a fir- a future first round pick and a f- and you know a bunch of seconds and thirds yeah, and that's... just more ammo like. I think yeah. that's probably the best way to do it because you can still get really good players in rounds two and round three. And like, you know, Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, like these are guys that weren't first round picks that are obviously huge contributors for the 49ers. And like, that's, that might be the best way to rebuild this thing is if you can identify rookies that you like, that might be, you know, well below that threshold of the first half of the first round and just getting a bunch of those guys is probably the best way to remake this roster, given the financial constraints and given how you want this to be as sustainable as possible, right? right. Like the, the best way Not to the build Rams a roster. Model. Like in, in 2019, the one of the main reasons why the 49ers got to the Super Bowl is they had a lot of really good players on rookie contracts. Right. Like Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, um, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, all these guys right. were on rookie deals. So, and that's another argument. And that's another argument for trading back because if you're going yeah. to get future picks, you have to be looking at Nick Bosa is going to get a massive extension. Exactly. Fred Warner is due for a massive extension. So if you can start stocking up picks for the future, where you're going to be paying Armstead and Williams and and Warner and Bosa, that's just another thing that bolsters that argument. Yeah, totally. So if they can, if trading back means getting, you know, two seconds and two thirds or whatever, I would. I think that would be a great way to go about it just because they have so many needs at so many crucial spots. And that like, if you draft somebody at 12 and he's not good, then that's like the worst case scenario, right? Like we've seen the 49ers whiff on first round picks. So to me, it's not, you know, it's, it wouldn't be the the end of the world if they move back from 12, because as we've seen from, from this front office, really hitting on a first round pick is, is almost a 50, 50 proposition because as, you know, you're you're not going to dr- be able to draft Nick Bosa at 12. He was a second overall pick, arguably right. the best prospect in that entire draft. Like 12 is much more hit or miss, and I feel like you're you're just as likely to draft a Solomon Thomas or Reuben Foster in round one as you are, you know, somebody that it turns into a stud. They drafted Brandon Ayuk 25th. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there they, are good players. Yeah, available. you could get. Yeah. You could get really good guys in the twenties if you need and to. we'll and we'll get as the draft gets closer, it's still a couple months away we'll we'll dive in a little a little further into that and what the team's plans might be once we have a better grasp on what their needs are post free agency. Let's get the last free agent in here. It's Kyle Yuzchek, the fullback yep. now the you have an interesting take on this that i that I want you to flesh out because Kyle Shanahan has always had going back to his days with the Falcons and obviously with Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco, he's at a fullback and he's run a ton of 21 personnel. I think he's either been first or second in, 
in 21 personnel usage. That's two running backs, one tight end. Either been first or second in the league for for the last six years, mm-hmm. and it, it may go even beyond that. And the non nuanced reason for it is you have a player like Juszczyk who can either block or split out and go catch a pass. We see him seems like once a game he has a he has a play where he kind of leaks out and he's running wide open. Um, that versatility allows the 49ers to be really unpredictable with their personnel groupings and their formations, and it's part of what makes them hard to defend. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think that's the kind of general, I know there's probably more nuance to it, but that's the general idea. Yeah. So, you can't just let Juszczyk walk and just pick, uh, pick up another random fullback. It needs to be a fullback with a similar skill set. So, there's Josh Hokett from Fresno State who was an undrafted free agent last year, an undrafted rookie, spent the year on the practice squad. He's the internal candidate. I have not dove into the fullback draft class at all. <laughs> and I've looked at the I've looked at the list of free agents and there's there's nothing super inspiring. Maybe Kyle Shanahan sees something on tape that he likes, but you had a little bit different idea for how the 49ers might go about solving the problem that gets left behind if Juszczyk exits. And I would like you to explain that solution now. Yeah, well, this is something we've talked about in the group chat, and our, our guy Nick Wagner has, has mentioned it too. Like, this could be an inflection point from an offensive philosophy standpoint for Kyle Shanahan, right? Mm-hmm. A way potentially to get more out of Jimmy Garoppolo could be to go away from the two running back sets. Right, like if you if you don't bring back Kyle Juszczyk and he gets a contract from another team, you know, like the Jets or whatever, um, that the 49ers decide not to match, then then they could th- that would allow them an opportunity to, to to utilize more, you know, 11 personnel. Right, maybe they start utilizing more three receiver looks like we saw the Rams do in recent seasons, um, and maybe that's a way, you know, getting another receiver on the field. Maybe that's a way to get more from Jimmy Garoppolo because, like you mentioned, 49ers have been operating with with heavy personnel as much as any team in the league when Garoppolo's been out there. So potentially going more, you know, I don't know if spread style is the right vernacular or, or whatever, but like in New England, there was a lot of three receiver sets, um, and and that's sort of what he got used to what he got used to doing. And you remember Trent Taylor in 2017 as a third receiver when. Um, when Jimmy Garoppolo first came over, was a super effective player. And there mm-hmm. hasn't really been a whole lot of consistency with the 49 or at least last year. I mean, in 2019, they had a good run with, with Kendrick Bourne and Debo Samuel and um, and Emmanuel Sanders, you know, at running three right, three receiver sets. But you could see a shift back to that if you allow Juszczyk to leave in free agency. Um, and, and so the other side of that, too, is maybe you can – look at somebody like Florida tight end Kyle Pitts um, in in round uh, in, in round one and, and with that 12th pick and maybe he can do you know he's he's a really good pass catching tight end I, I don't know how good of a blocker he is I, I would imagine that that's where he has some work to do which a lot of um, college tight ends do coming in mm-hmm. but that could be you can make up for use check by um, by utilizing Kyle Pitts, or maybe one of the top fle- top receiver prospects in the draft is available at twelve, 
and you just decide he's the best player on your board, um, and, and you take him, one of the you know Alabama or LSU guys, um, Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell or or whoever, like those guys are are considered elite prospects, and and some people think that all three of those guys are better than all the receivers that came out last year. So in theory, if you allow Usechek to leave, you can you could potentially make a philosophical switch and start using more three receiver sets and draft another receiver or another, you know, pass catching tight end who can give you some of that versatility that Usechek had, but obviously not work as a natural fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm interested to see because kind of like what be... they did with Ross Dwelly when Kyle Usechek was hurt in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. So it, it could be something where like the 49ers or Kyle Shanahan decides like, all right, we're going to lose our fullback, but now we're going to open up the playbook in a different way and start creating more options for Jimmy Garoppolo and not rely on the running game as much and not rely on, you know, play action out of big sets and all of that stuff. Um, so I, I think that that's on the, that's on the table. I haven't heard that that's happening, but I, I think it's on the table. And if you do bring back Jimmy Garoppolo, which I, which I think you and I think is the most likely scenario, Mm-hmm. Um, and just as an aside, it seems like everybody who's disconnected from the 49ers believes the 49ers are getting rid of Garoppolo, and everybody who covers the team or talks to anybody with the team, they all sort of <laughs> believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back, Yeah, um, which is an interesting dichotomy that I hope people are paying attention to. But um, if Garoppolo comes back, and you, it, it might be that you maximize him by getting the, balls, the ball out of, his, out of his hands quickly with multiple receiver sets instead of some of these longer developing plays with play action and, and things like that. Another, the long another no, 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 that 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 all makes a lot of sense, uh, especially especially since Kyle Shanahan's not the type of coach who's going to just force a player into that role and run an offense it's going to be ineffective because the player isn't good enough. Right. And if there's an elite athlete like Kyle Pitts, like if you haven't watched Kyle Pitts yet, after this pod is over, go YouTube Kyle Pitts and just watch him. He's he's like 6'6", 240, and moves like a receiver. I mean, he's it's, it's like, it's kind of like Jordan Reed or Darren Waller a little bit, um, who, who are both, you know, Reed, when he's been healthy, he's been a pretty dominant player. Uh, and if you can get a young, cheap version of that without the previous health issues, I think that's something the 49ers would probably like to do. Another player to keep an eye on, though, if you're talking free agents, because consider that the 49ers looked at Austin Hooper in free agency last year, who was the number one free agent tight end, and the deal he signed with the Browns at the time was the highest paid deal ever for a tight end. I wouldn't... I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that was going to be weird. I wouldn't not, I would, I would keep an eye on Titans tight end Johnny Smith. You're not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out for sure. Now, I'd need to see the structure of the deal, but. <laughs> Guaranteed money. PFF has Johnny Smith, and I'm just grabbing these numbers just for for reference. PFF has him at a four-year, $38 million contract with 20 and a half guaranteed. So that's nine and a half million a year. And if the 49ers were willing with George Kittle's extension on the table, were willing to go explore the Austin Hooper option, I imagine they're going to look at a player like Smith, who coming out of the draft comped very favorably to Delaney Walker. 
and he has all those skill sets to kind of be that move tight end. Uh, he's a good blocker. He's super athletic. So that's just when I was scrolling through a list of free agents, he really jumped out to me because if the 49ers are going to, you know, change their philosophy like you just laid out, and let's say they are not confident a player like Kyle Pitts is going to fall to them, Johnny Smith is another another option that that they could that they could go get. Now, if they're going to pay that much for Johnny Smith, it probably means they're bringing back Kyle Juszczyk. But yeah, in theory. In the event that he walks, I, I would keep an eye on Smith because he's a super intriguing player when you consider how the 49ers might want to want to solve their offensive problems with use check on. And you probably, I mean, irrespective of sort of this, you know, pending philosophical shift that we're talking about, I mean, you ultimately need to upgrade your backup tight end situation anyway, right? And whether yes. that's getting more from Ross Dwelly or Charlie Warner, I mean, I don't know. But I, I think the 49ers are sort of asking for trouble if they're going to bank on George Kittle to play 95% of the snaps every game. Um, and, you know, we saw signs of that last year when he had the, the knee issue in week one and then he broke his foot in, in, in that November loss to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you just, you need depth there. And, and it probably needs to be more than what the 49ers have gotten from Ross, Ross Dwelly, despite, you know, as much as as much as they like Ross Dwelly, um, they need more from from that backup tight end spot. So I, I think your Smith, your Johnny Smith idea is a good one, and I just think in general, and maybe you know maybe they don't switch philosophically and start running a ton of eleven personnel with three receivers. Maybe they just replace Usechek with another tight end. Yeah. Um. And and they and they just operate personnel. more out of um, uh, twelve sets, twelve personnel with with two tight ends on the field, sort of replacing that that look that they had with Usechek. I. I think that that versatility is something that the 49ers, as long as Kyle Shanahan is a coach, are are always going to try to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but how they how they come to that conclusion will sort of depend on what their personnel looks like, right. and that's why the use check decision is is a pretty big one, right? Because you're not just going to let Kyle Usechek walk and then replace Kyle Usechek with another fullback, because Usechek's kind of a unicorn, right? Like there there aren't I don't think there's another fullback in the league with the versatility and sort of the, you know, the knowledge, um, the the quick reaction on the fly. There are so many times, and George Kittle said this, and I think we mentioned it on a pod earlier, where, like, there would be plays where somebody would screw up and use check mid-play would fix their mistake and it would lead to a big gain. You know, like, he's just that smart of a player. And I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but he went to Harvard. Um, which is a good school in the get out the, of town. Yeah, in the New England area, um, but like that—that's sort of unique, right? So if you lose Kyle Uzcheck, you can't just say, "All right, we need to go find another, another yeah. super smart, versatile fullback," because those guys aren't out there. That's the reason why the 49ers gave Uzcheck the contract that they gave him. So if they lose him, I think the avenue to to making up for that absence is probably going to be with another tight end potentially or using more 11 personnel like we mentioned. Yeah. All right. That's the 49ers free agent rundown and how they might replace them. Yeah, Goodbye. Potentially. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, other guys uh, we wrote down, Kendrick yeah. Bourne, Ben Garland, Jaquaski Tart, Solomon Thomas, Ronald Blair. Um, yeah, I'd, Bourne, Bourne is a toss-up, I think. Ben Garland, 
probably going to come back um, just because it would be good to have a center with some experience. Jaquaski Tart, I think, is probably not coming back. Solomon Thomas is tough to say because of the injury stuff. And Ronald Blair, I could see coming back um, on a cheap deal because he should be healthy by the time training camp starts. And given that he didn't play last year, he might not have a, a huge market um, for, you know, when it comes to teams other than the 49ers. Just running those guys down. Yeah, it's going to – it's it's a fascinating offseason for the 49ers because they are going to need to retool while keeping themselves in Super Bowl contention. I'm really interested to see what happens with the salary cap and then how they kind of navigate it because they have some big names to try and retain. And then, as you just heard, there's a variety of ways they can go about replacing those names. So we'll continue talking about this throughout the off season and as signings and trades and and such start to start to take place again free agency officially opens March 17th and the legal negotiating period opens March 15th so leading up to that we'll keep you up to date here on Candlestick Chronicles and anything that affects the 49ers in any way we will be we will be talking about it and dissecting it as best as possible and as in relevant ways I think we'll try not to make it too crazy of a stretch. Do we want to announce the guest for Thursday or no? No, uh, because we have a. The, sometimes we announce guests and and think last minute things happen. Right, and the guest backs out. It's a great but point. I, I will say I'm pretty excited for Thursday's guest. Me too. And um, it's going to be the second 49ers player we've had on the pod. Oh wow! Light um, spoiler. Light spoiler. Yeah, light spoiler. It's going to be a player. So um, somebody we're looking forward to talking to. And uh, if you didn't hear our George Kittle episode from back in, gosh, it had to be November during the bye week, um, we had Kittle on, so you can probably go find that. I think it's pinned to your profile. It's your pinned profile, right at the it? top of my profile there. Yeah, so if on you want to hear Kittle on, a, on the pod, um, go check that out, and, we, uh, and we'll have another player. Uh, October 21. October oh, 21. Oh, October 21st. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Thursday's guest will be as good as Kittle. I think he has a chance to be. But it's somebody I haven't met yet, so it's gonna be it's gonna be our first interaction coming on the podcast. So it'll be interesting. Dynamite. Can't wait for that. Fingers crossed that it happens. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't, and do not miss our guest pod that may be happening on Thursday. We'll have a pod no matter what on Thursday. Uh, but hopefully we'll have a guest. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.